Hello, this is Father John Arthur, or Associate Pastor at Holy Ghost Catholic Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is our 57th installment, Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body, 133 talks prepared and delivered by Pope John Paul II in the years 1979 through 1984. We are indebted to Professor Michael Waldstein, whose edition we are using. In our meeting a few weeks ago, we focused attention on the passage in 1 Corinthians, in which St. Paul calls the human body temple of the Holy Spirit. He writes, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you do not belong to yourselves, for you were bought at a great price? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. The Apostle shows how the mystery of the redemption of the body achieved by Christ is the source of a particular moral duty that commits Christians to purity, to the virtue that Paul defines elsewhere as the need to keep one's own body with holiness and reverence. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 4. Yet we would not discover the full depth of the richness of thought contained in the Pauline texts if we did not notice that the mystery of redemption bears fruit in man also in a charismatic way. The Holy Spirit, who, according to the Apostles' words, enters into the human body as into his own temple, dwells there and works with his spiritual gifts. Among these gifts known to the history of spirituality as the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, see Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. The one most congenial to the virtue of purity seems to be the gift of piety, Eusebia, Donum Pietatis. If purity disposes man to keep his own body with holiness and reverence, as we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 5, Piety, as a gift of the Holy Spirit, seems to serve purity in a particular way by making the human subject sensitive to the dignity that belongs to the human body in virtue of the mystery of creation and of redemption. Thanks to the gift of piety, Paul's words, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you and that you do not belong to yourselves? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 take on the convincing power of an experience and become a living and lived truth in actions. They also open fuller access to the experience of the spousal meaning of the body and of the freedom of the gift connected with it, in which the deep face of purity and its organic link with love reveals itself. Although keeping one's own body with holiness and reverence is formed by abstaining from unchastity, and this way is indispensable, nevertheless, it always bears fruit in the deeper experience of the love that has from the beginning been inscribed in the whole human being, and thus also in his body, according to the image and likeness of God himself. For this reason, Paul ends his argument in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 with a significant exhortation. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Verse 20. Purity is a virtue or ability of keeping one's own body with holiness and reverence. 
allied with the gift of piety as a fruit of the Holy Spirit's dwelling in the temple of the body, causes in the body such a fullness of dignity in interpersonal relations that God himself is thereby glorified. Purity is the glory of the human body before God. It is the glory of God in the human body through which masculinity and femininity are manifested. From purity springs that singular beauty that permeates every sphere of reciprocal common life between human beings and allows them to express in it the simplicity and depth, the cordiality and unrepeatable authenticity of personal trust. There will perhaps be a later occasion to deal with this topic more fully. The link of purity with love and the link of the same purity in love with piety as a gift of the Holy Spirit is a little-known guiding thread of the theology of the body, but nevertheless deserves particularly deep study. This will be possible in the course of analyses about the sacramentality of marriage. See Theology of the Body, 89 and 131 through 132. Purity and Wisdom And now a short reference to the Old Testament. The Pauline teaching about purity, understood as life according to the Spirit, seems to suggest a certain continuity with the wisdom books of the Old Testament. We find, for example, the following prayer for purity in thoughts, words, and deeds. O Lord, Father and God of my life, let neither sensuality nor lust overcome me, and do not hand me over to shameful desires. Sirach chapter 23, verses 4 through 6. Purity is, in fact, a condition for finding wisdom and for following her as we read in the same book. Toward her, that is, wisdom, I turned my desire and I found her in purity. Sirach chapter 51, verse 20. One could also consider the text of Wisdom chapter 8, verse 21, known by the liturgy in the Vulgate translation, Sciviconium altier non possum esse continens, nisi deus dead, et hoc ipsum erat sapientiae scire, cuius esset hoc donum. I know that I could only be continent if God granted it, and that this also was part of wisdom to know whose gift this was. According to this concept, it is not so much purity that is a condition for wisdom, but wisdom that is a condition for purity as a particular gift of God. It seems that already in the wisdom text just quoted, the twofold meaning of purity takes shape as virtue and as gift. The virtue stands at the service of wisdom, and wisdom disposes one to receive the gift that comes from God. This gift strengthens the virtue and allows one to enjoy in wisdom the fruits of a pure behavior and life. Just as Christ in the Beatitude of the Sermon on the Mount that refers to the pure in heart highlights the vision of God as the fruit of purity in an eschatological perspective, so Paul, on his part, sheds light on its radiation into the dimensions of temporality when he writes, To the pure all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure. 
Their very minds and consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but deny him by their actions. Titus chapter 1 verses 15 and 16. These words can also refer to purity in the general as well as specific sense, as the characteristic mark of every moral good. What seems to be fundamental for the Pauline understanding of purity in the sense in which 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 3 through 5 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 13 through 20 speak about, that is, in the sense of life according to the Spirit, this is the conclusion of our consideration as a whole, is the anthropology of rebirth in the Holy Spirit. See John chapter 3 verse 5 and following. This anthropology grows from roots that plunge down into the reality of the redemption of the body achieved by Christ, a redemption whose final expression is the resurrection. There are deep reasons for linking the whole topic of purity with the words of the gospel in which Jesus appeals to the resurrection. This will be the topic of the next stage of our considerations. See Theology of the Body 64-85. through 85. Here we have set it in relation, above all, with the ethos of the redemption of the body. The way of understanding and presenting purity, as inherited from the tradition of the Old Testament and characteristic of the wisdom books, was certainly an indirect but nonetheless real preparation for the Pauline teaching about purity, understood as life according to the Spirit. Without any doubt, that way of understanding also enabled many who listened to the Sermon on the Mount to understand the words of Christ when he appealed to the human heart in his explanation of the commandment, You shall not commit adultery. Our reflections as a whole have thus been able to show, at least in some measure, how rich and deep the teaching on purity is in its biblical and evangelical sources. And with these words, our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, concluded his 57th catechesis, Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body. To better appreciate and understand this 57th catechesis, Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body, of Pope John Paul II, we should remember where we've been and then look where we're going. The first part of the Theology of the Body focuses our attention on the words of Christ. These are not the words of Buddha. These are not the words of Krishna. These are not the words of Mohammed. These are the words of Jesus Christ, true God and true man, the Savior of the universe, the one who reveals to us God. The Father and I are one. The one who sends the Spirit, not only over the waters of creation, but into our hearts, not only at Pentecost, but even until he returns in glory. Pope John Paul II focuses the first part of the theology of the body on the words of Christ, specifically Christ's appeal to the beginning. In the beginning, God created them male and female. In the divine image, he created them. For this reason, a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is Christ's appeal to the beginning, and John Paul makes a lot of straw, spends a lot of energy focusing our attention on all that we can learn from Christ's appeal to the beginning, like original innocence and original justice, original unity, original sin. But insofar as Pope John Paul II is drawing our attention to the words of Christ and his appeal to the beginning, we know in faith that Christ is a new beginning for man by his death and resurrection, 
by our faith, by his grace, in baptism, we have a new beginning in him. Pope John Paul II does not only focus our attention on Christ's appeal to the beginning, but also Christ's appeal to the human heart. And that's the second chapter of the first part of the theology of the body. Christ does not appeal to the kitty cats or the puppy dogs, to the fish of the sea or the birds of the air. He appeals to human beings, people like you and me. He calls us to be saints. He calls us to turn away from sin, to be faithful to the gospel, to love our God with all our heart and with all our soul and all our strength and our neighbor as ourself, and not to accept a false love, not to sell ourselves short or sell our neighbors short but to be pure of heart. Coracor loquitur, the motto of blessed John Henry Cardinal Newman, whom Pope Benedict XVI beatified in the September of 2011. The sixth part of chapter 2 of Pope John Paul II's Theology of the Body focuses our attention on purity as life according to the Spirit. This is the part we heard today. We're trying to live according to the Spirit of God, not the Spirit of this age. We're trying to live according to the Holy Spirit. Holy purity, not only as regards our doctrine or our vocabulary, but our desires and our actions. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Two parts of this catechesis, which we've heard today, the 57th of the 133 in the Theology of the Body, focuses on purity as a virtue and a gift. A virtue, a stable disposition to do good, even in the face of difficulty, with joy and ease. The classic term would be chastity, I believe. And purity or chastity as a gift. We can do all that we can, and we should do all that we can, but God can give us the gift. God can strengthen our resolve to be pure. We have not only the natural ability to be chaste, but we also have a supernatural motivation. Christ the Lord himself, the model, the example of chastity, of purity. The Blessed Virgin Mary, very pure, very chaste. St. Joseph, her most chaste spouse, we pray in the divine praises. When we focus on purity or chastity as a virtue, we focus on what we do, even though we are only able to do what we're able to do thanks to our existence, which itself is a gift. The root of the word virtue is vir, means man, to live according to our nature, and God is the one who gave us our nature. When we focus on the gift aspect of purity, we focus on what God does for us, what the saints do for us, interceding with God. God helped these guys with this virtue. They need it. They need your help. They need the virtue. In the second part of this sixth section of chapter 2 of the Theology of the Body focuses on purity and wisdom. Wisdom, the fear of God, is the first stage of wisdom. And purity, uh, a fear to offend God by being sullied in our minds or in our desires, in our deeds, in our conduct. So that's the brief overview or capsulization of this 57th Catechesis will go in-depth into one or another of the aspects now. Pope John Paul II points out in this 57th Catechesis that the mystery of redemption, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the incarnate God, true God and true man, Son of Mary in time, eternal Son of the Eternal Father, the mystery of redemption bears fruit in man also in a charismatic way via piety, pietas, a gift of the Holy Spirit. Some people would look at the mystery of redemption as a juridic reality only. We have been convicted 
of our sins. All have sinned and are deprived of the glory of God. All are saved. All are redeemed by Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, applied to us through his sacraments, applied to us through a life of grace lived in his mystical body, the church. Some people look at the mystery of redemption as a juridic reality. God is the judge. The verdict is in. We are freed by the death and resurrection of the Lord. But here, Pope John Paul II is drawing attention to the fact that the mystery of redemption is greater than just the juridic reality. The mystery of redemption bears fruit in man also in a charismatic way, according to the Spirit, according to the gifts of the Spirit. One of the gifts of the Spirit is piety, pietas. Pope John Paul II cites the prophet Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, a spirit of wisdom, of understanding, of counsel, of fortitude, of knowledge, of goodliness, of fear of the Lord. His delight shall be the fear of the Lord. Jesus Christ himself cites this passage of the gospel when he is in the synagogue and all the eyes were fixed upon him, we read. And he said, Today this passage is fulfilled in your hearing, and you are now listening to my voice. Will you allow the Spirit to enter your heart? Will you allow the Spirit of wisdom and knowledge to give you that spirit of piety, the fear of the Lord, a fear to offend him by unchastity, a fear to offend him by lust, a fear to offend him by refusing his gift of purity? Personally, I was very surprised that our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, did not mention here that one of the fruits of the Spirit, and the fruits of the Spirit presuppose the gift, because if you don't have the gift, how are you to bear the fruit? But he had already spoken of the fruits of the Spirit some six catechesis ago. Theology of the Body 51.5, he spoke about life according to the Spirit, specifically the fruits of the Spirit, not the fruits of the demon, not fruits of the sins of the flesh. One of the fruits of the Spirit chastity, continence, the Vulgate makes that clear. Purity, Pope John Paul II says, is the glory of the human body before God. This is reminiscent of St. Irenaeus, who says, the glory of God is man fully alive. Now we have Pope John Paul II, soon to be declared blessed, May 1st, 2011, the feast day of St. Joseph the Worker, In a manner akin to St. Irenaeus, John Paul says, Purity is the glory of the human body before God. Who has made us? God has made us. How did God make us? God made us bodily, body and soul composite. I'm not just my body, I'm not just my soul. And the Lord God calls us to be pure of heart, that we might see him not only in the here and now, but in the here and after. So if purity is the glory of the human body before God, is impurity shame before God? I think so. Pope John Paul II, when he focused our attention on the beginning, he spoke about how shame entered the world. It was through sin. We should never be afraid to make a good confession if we have committed any sins, sins of impurity or otherwise. We should just repent. We should have a contrite, broken heart and say, Lord, I am sorry. And we should go and confess our sins and receive the absolution, which imparts to us a new purity, a renewal of the innocence first given us in baptism. Pope John Paul II continues in this 57th Catechesis by saying purity is the glory of God in the human body. So not only is purity the glory of the human body before God, But purity is the glory of God in the human body. God is in us. The Spirit of God is within us so long as we are in a state of grace. If we are impure, 
in our doctrine, in our words, in our desires, in our actions, we cast the Holy Spirit out, who is only able to return with our repentance. Purity is the glory of God in the human body. Walking tabernacles we are by God's grace and mercy, and not just us, our neighbors too. So we are to safeguard our own bodies with reverence and holiness, and also those of our neighbors, the other person. Pope John Paul II continues his 57th catechesis, Man and Woman, He Created Them with Theology of the Body, by saying, The link of purity with love, and the link of the same purity in love with piety as gift of the Holy Spirit, is a little-known guiding thread of the theology of the body. Sounds like he's giving us a clue how to understand his magnum opus, this great work of his, 133 presentations. The link of purity with love, pure love, pure in our desire, pure in our acting, and the link of the same purity in love with piety as the gift of the Holy Spirit is a little-known guiding thread of the theology of the body. If we want to understand the theology of the body, we need to understand the link between piety as a gift of the Holy Spirit and purity in love and the link of purity with love. If we don't understand purity, if we don't understand love, if we don't understand piety as a gift of the Holy Spirit, we will not understand the theology of the body. And the theology of the body speaks to us not only about ourselves, it does speak to us about ourselves, but it speaks to us also about our Creator, the good God who made us, who made us male and female, whom we have offended by our sins, either the one we have inherited, original sin, or the ones we have committed ourselves our serious, grave, mortal sins, our venial sins. When we do something serious, we know it's serious, and we do it anyway, that's a mortal sin. And that separates us from the love of God. That makes us impure in the sight of God. It is the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ applied to us, beginning in baptism with faith and grace, which makes us right with God. Because the saving waters of baptism have their power from that blood and water which poured forth, which coursed from the pierced side of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. Pope John Paul II gives us a clue in this 57th Catechesis, how to understand the theology of the body, because it speaks to us not only about ourselves, but about the God who made us, the God who has redeemed us in Christ, the God who calls us to be holy. If we want to understand the theology of the body, we have to know, we have to recognize, we have to appreciate the link of purity with love and the link of the same purity in love with piety as a gift of the Holy Spirit. This is a little-known guiding thread of the theology of the body. Pope John Paul II continued his 57th Catechesis, Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body, by reminding us that purity has an organic link with love. This is not something manufactured. This is the way... We are, by nature, pure in our intentions, pure in our desires, pure in our actions. We are to say the truth in love. We are to do the truth in love. It's organic. It's not an artificial bond these two have. Purity disposes man, disposes us, to keep our own body with holiness and reverence. And not only our own bodies but respecting those of others. This is the inspired teaching of sacred scripture, which we read in St. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. 
Purity disposes us to keep our own bodies with holiness and reverence. And this is the way we show love for ourselves. This is the way we show love for other people. This is the way we show love for God who has made us and who has redeemed us in Christ, who laid down his pure body on the wood of the cross for our salvation. Pope John Paul II continues his 57th Catechesis, Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body, by giving us two different prayers from sacred scripture, from the Old Testament, from the wisdom tradition, the books of Sirach and the Book of Wisdom proper. He uses the Vulgate translation, the ancient Latin for the Book of Wisdom. From the Book of Sirach, chapter 23, verses 4 through 6, the prayer Pope John Paul II presents to our attention that we might grow in purity, that we might better appreciate our bodiliness, goes like this. O Lord, Father and God of my life, let neither sensuality nor lust overcome me, and do not hand me over to shameful desires. Amen. That's a beautiful prayer, and it's straight from sacred scripture. Sensuality and lust, we ask God to help us overcome them, to not let them overwhelm us, and the same regarding shameful desires. There are various sorts of shameful desires, lust among them, anti-chastity among them, but to want to be a bank robber, to want to abuse drugs, alcohol, or the like, these are shameful desires. To be a bearer of false tales, to be a slanderer or a gossip, these are shameful desires. But it seems to me the inspired author of Sirach is trying to lead us down the road to purity by God's grace, by God's power working in us. May it be strong in us, in our society. We need to pray not only for our own renewal, for our own purity of heart, but that of our neighbors, that we might all be found pleasing in the sight of Almighty God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will return in glory to judge the living and the dead, that he might be pleased by our purity and not displeased by sensuality or lust or shameful desires in us. The second prayer, Pope John Paul II presents to us from sacred scripture, comes from the book of wisdom itself, chapter 8, verse 21. And again, he's using the ancient Vulgate translation here translated into English. I knew that I could only be continent if God granted it, and that this also was part of wisdom to know whose gift this was. We could say, God, give me the gift of wisdom. Let me appreciate and know your gift, and with wisdom give me continence. I knew I could only be continent if God granted it. There's incontinence regarding our bladder control, but there is another continence which has to do with abstaining from sexual gratification. The unmarried are to always be continent, and as a way of regulating births within holy marriage. There is a periodic consonance, even for those who are married. This teaching is echoed greatly in Pope Paul VI's encyclical letter on the transmission of human life, Humani Vitae. Pope John Paul II concludes his 57th Catechesis by reminding us that both eschatological and temporal perspectives and dimensions are present in St. Paul's Letter to Titus, chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. To the pure, all things are pure. 
but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. May we be pure by God's grace. May we not be defiled or unbelieving by being impure, lustful people. Because if we are pure and holy by God's grace in the here and now, in the temporal sphere, then our eternity, the eschatological sphere, will be very good. God wants us to live according to his grace in the here and now, that we can enjoy the hereafter with him and all the holy ones worshiping with our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies in the Holy Spirit. Until next time, God bless you.